1: What's going on Bears fans and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I'm here with Brandon Robinson, no JB today, as we're here after Senior Bowl Day 2 and unfortunately... This is apparently the last day we're going to actually get to report on practice, because rain in the area, which it was rainy today, let me tell you, is going to move practice tomorrow inside. So, Brandon, I'm sure you and I will cook something up. God knows we're here till Friday, but hey, it meant for a wet and wild day of practice today. What did you see?
2: Right. I mean, it was, like you said, it was really, really wet. Rain for, seemed like five hours straight. I think there was about 20, 30 minutes where it wasn't raining. Um, a lot of sloppy offensive performances, uh, especially out of, the, out of the quarterbacks. I think an interesting takeaway was Kenny Pickett coming out with one glove. I'm sure it's talked about a lot in ESPN and NFL Network and whatnot because he's, he's known as using two gloves. So him coming out in one glove was very, very interesting. But even though he only used the one glove on his, on his throwing hand, he, he really struggled. And that's one thing that teams are going to take away is, can I bring this guy in if I'm on a bad weather team? Like, say, say I'm the Seattle Seahawks and they, they trade Russell Wilson during the offseason for whatever reason. So now they're looking at quarterbacks, but you're in the rainiest city in the United States, and he has to have a glove on his right hand, or at least it looks like he felt feels like he needs it. That doesn't go well with, the rain doesn't go well with gloves. So, and that was shown today. He was very, very shaky. He was throwing a, a lot of ducks out there. So, I, like, I, I think today was a really, really bad day for him, unfortunately. Um, and, but it was, it was a good opportunity for some of the stronger arm guys, like Malik Wilson and Willis and uh, Carson Strong. I think they had really strong days. Uh, what do you think, Robert?
1: You know, Carson was an interesting one. He started out with some bombs. I mean, he was hunting when he had all the receivers out. No defenders to throw to, but still got to basically show off his arm, kind of like a sub-pro day, and he looked great until about the second hour of practice where it felt like Cinderella, like, struck midnight and suddenly he turned kind of into a pumpkin. I did not think he looked great. Now, nobody really did, especially on the national team, which had Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong, and uh, the third quarterback was Bailey's Desmond egg. Riddler.
2: Uh, oh, no, you're right.
1: But So I didn't think Strong looked great. Riddler continued to struggle. Uh, it's Ritter. Uh, apologies there. And Pickett, I mean, I have to belabor the point a little bit. Pickett's also dropped three snaps now under center in two days. Now, look, maybe I'm just still dealing with trauma, Brandon, from when I grew up watching Rex Grossman. But if you can't have a small-handed quarterback struggling with snaps the way that he is. And it just makes me wonder... Is this a Jamar Chase drops in the preseason story that's just a nothing weird occurrence in a small scale? Or is this a real problem that could manifest itself because he struggled today in, in crappy weather, which isn't that surprising? I mean, look, a stupid anecdote I'm sure nobody cares about. As a short man with small hands, I can't throw a football in the rain either. But Pickett struggled there. He's dropping snaps. I'm by no means trying to lead some anti-picket campaign, but if I came here with hopes that he was going to turn my franchise around, he kind of to me looked like just a guy, you know?
2: Right, 100%. Like, because yeah, it's you—you you need to be able to rely on a guy. Like the the playoff the playoffs aren't in May, right? <laughs> the playoff the playoffs are in January, so you got to be able to perform in bad weather. And he he proved today that that was not what he does um, as far as the snaps go. And like, the thing is, this is the first time that NFL guys are being able to see him with an NFL football. Like this isn't the same size as a college football. Like, these balls are bigger. So this matters. If he can't, if he consistently shows that he can't, can't take these snaps, that's going to be a problem down the road. Yep. It's just going to be
1: a matter of whether this manifests itself. Look, it's not like no matter how many snaps he drops in the senior bowl, he's not going to go undrafted. Suffice to say. Mm-hmm. But is this going to be a lingering issue? I mean, seriously, I don't, I don't want to go back to Rex Grossman here. But even starting to dwell on those memories after the third snap in 11-on-11 11 11 drills fell to the turf with the defensive lineman diving on it and showing it off, it just reminded me of all those Bears games where out of absolutely nowhere, we lost football. And it was like either we burned it down or the defense got the ball for free. And those are the kinds of plays that can completely turn a game around. But obviously, we're not here to just talk about Pickett. Who else stuck out to you, national or American? What did you see?
2: Uh, I thought Calvin Austin had another really great day. Uh, He was probably the best route route runner by far out here. Um, He really flashed day one when I didn't even know who he was. Uh, Him having a second day really really is impressive it seemed like the coaching staff really took to him he's he seemed like the type of guy that was always asking questions he was always right next to a coach always talking with somebody and these just these aren't necessarily things that you see from uh from a younger receiver and i mean we were able to learn a little bit of background from him he had a lot of ivy ivy league options coming out of high school 4.0 in high school and he, he turned those down to stay home and go to memphis so uh He's a really impressive kid, honestly.
1: Oh, yeah. In the world of impressive receivers, because I know we watched a good little bit of him, I thought Romeo Dobbs played really, really well. I mean, once you get off the fact that Christian Watson and Jalen, uh, oh, man, Jalen Tolbert look like the clear number one and number two guys in this setup. Uh, yeah, Jalen Tolbert, just making absolutely sure. You start to look at the other receivers, which ones showed themselves a little bit and which ones look like they're going to end up on somebody's practice squad. I thought Austin was really impressive as a slot receiver. I thought Dobbs could make for a decent X, right? Bigger guy, could handle press potentially. Nice, Nice way of acting in the air. I thought he got in and out of his breaks well. And another guy that I feel like is important to mention, if only because he's a strange one, right, Brandon? Khalil Shakir out of Boise State is not agile, and when you watch him in solo drills, doesn't look super impressive, and then he gets out into true one-on-ones, and he's he's finding a way to get open. I mean, there are some guys out there, you know the term, you call him a gamer. Shakir seems like absolutely a gamer. You and I were watching his tape just the other day, not intentionally. We were watching one of the defenders he was playing against in uh, Chad Muma, the linebacker, but he stands out, and he stood out here too, which is a nice sign for an otherwise... Top-heavy receiver class,
2: right, right, right. Yeah, he, he definitely did. Another guy I want to talk about is Vellis Jones Jr. from Tennessee. I I also didn't watch him coming in, but he he seemed like a like a burner to me. He kept the receiver, right? Yep. He kept getting kept getting past these corners. I uh, maybe a jump ball guy a little bit because the thing is about jump ball guys is you got the jump ball guys where the quarterback just chucks it in the air, right, but not that far downfield, and he makes the catch. But there's a difference between where the ball's being thrown 50 yards downfield, and you have to use your body control to make those catches. Cause that's that's a lot a lot tougher, in my opinion. And I I, I thought he made quite a few plays today.
1: That's cool, cause. I went especially for practice two, but also for practice one, I tried to peek a little bit more at the offensive line and defensive line, and there were a couple guys that stood out there. Now, what was funny was, here in the slick, it felt like defensive linemen were winning by default. Mm-hmm. I don't know how normal or abnormal that is in the world of these kinds of football practices, but it hit the point where if I tried to tell you, like, Zion Johnson really struggled, truly most offensive linemen did. So that's going to make it sound like he stood out. But really, we were just expecting a little more from him. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, 100%. And he, the thing about him is he was switching between center and guard. He was getting a lot of work. Uh, I, I, think, I think the reason why he was doing that is because the NFL is a little bit higher on him. And they, they want to put him to work. And he's going to be, be put in less advantageous positions to be able to get that work.
1: Well I mean it's funny you talk about that Not only are the Bears in the market for a center So that position switch alone is interesting But there don't look like there are a bunch of pure centers in this draft I mean a lot of tackles A lot of tackles that could move to guard A pretty light guard class overall But if somebody could distinguish themselves as a solid center That might move them up on the board Really the only center here in play is Lindenbaum Right? Mm-hmm. From the Iowa kid mm-hmm. And he's going to go top 15, right?
2: Right, yeah, he'll, de- he'll definitely go in that area. There were multiple centers that decided to go back, surprisingly. Uh, you thought that lot, maybe coming, going from last year to this year, a lot of guys came back just because of the COVID year, and you had a little bit of a shorter year. But for guys to go back again this year, it was quite surprising. I know the NIL deals probably have a lot to do with that just because now they're able to make money and they're they're not going back for free. Um, But, yeah, I think the interior offensive line is a little bit weaker in this year's class. A
1: little bit weaker for sure. But, hey, if we were going to talk about some strong interior candidates, I know one that comes to mind is, let me get his name right, it's Salyer. Actually, you have the roster sheet, as a matter of fact. Thank you for taking that from me. But it is Jamari Salyer out of Georgia. He wore number 68 today, and that guy is a tank on the inside. Not a lot of lateral movement played tackle at Georgia, for those of you film heads that want to go take a look at it, but gosh, he was stout. He got all those one-on-one reps there at the end of the game, and he just stuck his man consistently. I was really impressed with him in the interior, and I'm curious to what he would look like, especially in a scheme where he can just drive block like crazy.
2: Right, yeah. I actually thought he struggled a little bit yesterday but it was interesting to see him bounce back today and then at the end of the practice what the, what the Lions coaching staff has done so far is they'll take the best offensive lineman versus the best defensive lineman and see who wins and today it was Salier like he he was the one that really stood out stood out for their team so that i mean that that says a lot about him that he's able he's able to improve because that, that's what you want out of these guys being coached by NFL guys like you want to see improvement day to day and right. he was the one that Did the most, probably. And
1: especially in that weak guard class, if he can show himself out to be really, really good and a potential difference maker there, that's going to push him up the boards. Now, Brandon, I hate to get off track, especially since you and I talked about how this is going to be a shorter show. But I'm going to show you this tweet. I'm going to read it to our audience. Adam Schefter just tweeted, We are truly doing this live, folks. That Jim Harbaugh called Michigan today to inform the school that Despite interviewing with the Vikings, he'll be returning to school for the 2022 season. So I feel like as things were heating up between Michigan and, uh, or not Michigan, the Vikings and Jim Harbaugh, that was becoming something to certainly look at, especially given all the uh, Chicago Harbaugh drama that had led into the head coaching search. But looks like the Vikings are going to remain without uh, a head coach, at least for the next couple days. And Jim Harbaugh is not going to become an NFL head coach anytime soon. Kind of
2: crazy, right? Yeah, it, it it seemed like he had a lot of a lot of interest in these NFL jobs. It just didn't seem like the NFL was as high on Jim Harbaugh as Jim Harbaugh is on Jim Harbaugh. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I think he ran into some trouble, but uh, I mean he's he's in a really good spot because I mean he he's gonna get the bag, right? He can thank Michigan State for that because their head coach signed for ninety five million dollars, so and now Michigan. Can't pay him a penny less. Like he's getting at least ten years, ninety-six million dollars. So I mean, at least. Yeah, it's 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 not a not a bad thing for him.
1: Right. I mean, you talk about how Jim Harbaugh might not have been as high on Jim Harbaugh. The the Harbaugh mystique has always been intriguing to me because it's been about the 44-19 and record. It's been about the trip to the Super Bowl. It's been about a bunch of stuff that we could have cited about a lot of coaches. I mean, when the Bears got John Fox for the third time, I mean, you're talking about a former Super Bowl coach, right? His rosters have gone on to win a Super Bowl multiple times. What a winner, right? Who did not work out for Chicago. That's not to say that Harbaugh was near the same. I I just want to draw a parallel between what could have been a similar deal to Harbaugh and John Gruden pre the obvious, where you'd get a a very, let's say, well-regarded coach for wins and losses, who's not been in the pro game for quite some time for different reasons, and he's going to be there just about forever. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me, Brandon, if it came down to contract terms. I know that's not something that we really talk about a lot on these kinds of shows, about like what head coaches are willing to take in terms of deals and years and so on and so forth. But Jim Harbaugh, just based on the money he could get in college, I have to think he was looking for similar deals from NFL teams. And NFL teams just don't commit that long. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, no, it just doesn't doesn't necessarily make sense for them because they do five, six-year deals with, I mean, they're making... Fully guaranteed? Yeah, six, $8 million. If you extend them to 10 years, $100 million, that's... That's a lot to commit to a coach that hasn't been in the game for a little while now, so you're, that's a little bit of a gamble, and looks like no team was willing to make that gamble this year.
1: Which, wild. But speaking of head coaches, we actually did see Matt Eberflus out on the field, Eberflus, apologies, that's going to take me a second, and Ryan Poles out on the senior bowl field for the American team practice. They were watching defensive linemen at the time, who knows what they were really watching, I mean... Goodness gracious, they're going to get the All-22 footage anyways, so any position Mm -hmm. they really want to see, they're going to see. But speaking on some of these defensive linemen, there are a lot of them that are really, really interesting. Obviously, I can't take my eyes off of number 95, Devontae Wyatt. Go watch his film if you haven't already. I know Jordan Davis gets a lot more play because of how dominant he was, but Wyatt is a Perfect interior defensive lineman for the modern NFL. He's quick. He makes 330 pounds look like it's 270 pounds. He's active with his hands. Super fun to watch. Another guy who I feel like played really well today. Maybe... I I didn't get a good look at him yesterday, but I personally thought uh, John Ridgeway Jr., Out of Arkansas, John Ridgway III, looks strong. I mean, he's a long, lanky frame. I mean, truly, Brandon, he's the kind of guy that scouts would potentially describe as too big and too long. Mm -hmm. Because on the defensive line, he's going to struggle a little bit to move laterally. But when you can find a guy that's roughly 340 pounds and can consistently generate power, that's value, especially for a middle-round defensive lineman. Because the Bears can't—the Bears don't have three first-round picks. Like you gotta start looking for these guys with sure they have a red flag, but they can do something well because those are the kinds of guys I imagine Eberflus will be able to coach up.
2: Right, I ho- I hope so. I, it, it's really it's really nice to see both the head coach and the GM both down here because I mean that means they value valuating these players. They they value the senior bowl, which is nice because I think there are a lot of guys down here that they could maybe take a look at and, and find value in the draft. Like I thought, one of the, I thought one of the defensive linemen that really, really flashed me was Boye Mafe, from Minnesota, an edge rusher. I th- I thought he flashed, and the way he the way he flashes is different. He he flashes with power, and you don't see that out of a lot of edge rushers. You they don't they don't necessarily have those power traits, and I mean that can make a big difference on the down down the way because you can set you can set up a lot of moves off of power, right? You can't set up a lot of other moves off of those because they don't necessarily work together. But power works off of everything.
1: Yep. Speaking of power, I think another lineman that we didn't mention him in yesterday's show. I have to at least talk about how Neil Farrell Jr. is drawing, I mean, major praise. this this camp or whatever you would call the senior bowl. I mean, he is a force in the running game. I still don't personally think he offers a ton in terms of pass rush, but the big defensive tackle from number 92 not only had a great day yesterday in one-on-one drills, but, I mean, here I got the chance to go to the media breakfast this morning, Brandon, where we got to talk to some of the players. I talked to tackle Max Markham and uh, also talked to Devontae Wyatt. Both of them, when asked about peers that were impressing, cited, quote-unquote, that guy from LSU. So, Neil Farrell's definitely a name to watch that I came in, I don't want to say, like, low on him, but if he can improve as a pass rusher and show that he's more than just a run stuffer, or even show, honestly, that he's just a run stuffer, but really, really good at it, he could also be some major value in the later rounds.
2: Right, and I mean, when we're talking about the, the offensive lineman versus the defensive lineman at the end... That was, the, that was the guy that you saw go against Salyer fir- with the first rep because he obviously flashed. The, the coaching staff likes him. The players around him like him. And, and these things matter. Like being, being loved and, and being, being kind of feared by your peers, that, that kind of matters. Like he's, he's making waves down here, and he wasn't a well-known guy. like it, it, You didn't hear about him before this week, and he went to a big school.
1: Absolutely. Honestly, I've been really impressed with a lot of the defensive linemen, but one position I haven't taken a ton of look at, and I would have sworn you were watching him, was running back. Was there any running back that stuck out to you in one way or another?
2: Uh, Brian Brian Robinson, yeah, because he he, he, he when you watch when you watch his tape, he looks like one of the bigger guys, and that's in the SEC. So you really wonder if that was going to translate to here, because you're going to have a bunch of N- NFL guys, and he really stood out, like. They they call him B Rob. I'm B Rob, so that automatically draws me in. But uh, yeah, yeah, he has he has pretty pretty good size. I thought he did pretty well in pass protection, which is nice. It's very very important in the NFL. He was
1: the one that got that one on one right at the end of the uh, practice. He was a true one-on-one, all eyes were on him, practice was completely stopped, and he stuck a linebacker. I did, mm-hmm. It was raining so hard that my notepad was just going to be completely useless, so <laughs> I don't remember what it was or right. like who it was, but right. they, they did some pretty vicious pass blocking drills, and he was one of the guys I did catch standing out.
2: Right, and I mean, most running backs, I, I know myself when I played running back, I hated pass protection against linebackers because they are just running at you full speed and you basically just have to absorb it. But When you have a guy his size, he's the same size as these linebackers, if not bigger. So he's not scared about these, of these guys at all. You can tell that just by the way he blocks. He blocks with confidence. He blocks with power. He's not scared of these guys at all. You got to love it. We'll
1: take a short break. We'll come back with, honestly, I hate to say it, but there it wouldn't be a Senior Bowl conversation if we didn't talk about maybe some of the disappointments of the guys that maybe we wanted to see a little more from, right? But we'll talk about them after the break as we let the sponsors get their word in. Stay tuned. And we are back with Bear With Me, Senior Bowl Day 2, as myself, Robert Schmitz, is here with Brandon Robinson to break down the weekend. So, looking back, now that we have seen both of the practices that we got, not the weekend, just Monday, I keep forgetting this Tuesday and Wednesday, having work off is weird, but which players were you maybe looking for a little bit more from, or guys that you wanted to see flash, or even worse, guys that you saw... I don't want to use the word exposed,
2: Brandon. Nobody does. But, guys, you were looking a little more from. I know Chad Moma was a guy, a linebacker from Wyoming that I was looking forward to. Just because that Mike linebacker position for the Bears defense is going to be very, very important. But this week, he just, so far, these two practices, it's, he just hasn't shown up in, in pass coverage. Which, I mean, that's going to be that position. You're talking about a Tampa 2 defense where you're running down the middle of the defense. Like, that. That's a very very important part, and he just wasn't necessarily there. Another another guy that I was looking forward to was uh, a Caleb Evans. Now I liked his Tulsa tape this year. He transferred to Missouri, but then he, he comes out here. I thought yesterday he flashed a little bit, I, which I didn't even know he had transferred. So he but he was he was flashing right.
1: Right. So you're talking about hey, who's that Missouri corner? Yeah. That's yeah. one of the fun things about being out of practice. Right. You could just pick out a helmet and be like. Who's that guy? Right. That's who we had with Dominique Robinson.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. He was he was exactly like that. But today it, it worked in the opposite way because I don't know if I was just paying a little bit closer attention than I was yesterday. But yeah, he he got a little exposed. He he, he was Jalen Tolbert especially. He had a really good day against him. Uh, he was beating him deep vertically, stacking him, beat him off his stem. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the thing is. A lot of people haven't heard of Jalen Tolbert, but he, he's, definitely, he's definitely a name that you want to write down and you want to watch because, I mean, you got, you got Jalen Tolbert, you got Christian Watson. These are guys that are being mocked into the later part of the, of the draft, and I mean, I think these guys are day two picks. Right. I know another corner that stuck out to me. I
1: I didn't watch a ton of him, but every time I looked over and saw number 29, Kobe Bryant, I feel like he was holding his own. And honestly, as silly as it sounds, holding your own when you're doing true one-on-ones with the entire field to work with is an accomplishment in and of itself. I mean, he moved better than a lot of the DBs on the American team, unfortunately, including one of my favorite defensive back prospects, Jalen Petrie. Petrie's just a ball of chaos. Right? He's, a, he's a game wrecker in almost the old school sense Where the way that Baylor deployed him He could just annihilate game plans Partially because he's unorthodox Basically listeners think of like A 5'10", 200 pound uh, DB that hits And rushes the passer And plays the run like a linebacker So you kind of had what Green Bay used to call A nitro linebacker Saban-esque defenses Call it the star defender That's not a joke I think it's kind of hilarious Given that you know we talk about star play All the time and here's a defender who literally plays what you call the star. The problem was y'all whenever Petrie fell into a backpedal, which is obviously very normal for a defensive back or whenever he needed to quickly transition his hips from one position to another. I thought he struggled, especially compared to his peers. So I still think he's a ball of talent. It doesn't change what I think of him as an evaluation but I think Brandon, you and I both hoped that we would come in and see Petrie kind of find a role in the NF or on the field. And I feel like he's still left just as positionless as he came in.
2: Yeah, for for sure, and and that has, that has a lot to do with just how they play coverages out here. You're, you're going to see a lot of cover three. You're going to see a lot of man, and these aren't necessarily the spots that you want him in, right? And like for especially when you talk about positionless, he he just to me he feels like one of these patriot like hybrid safety linebackers that you that you see them play. Guys that just have to move forward in order to make plays. They're just knifing through their offense. And so, yeah, he's going to struggle with that. I, I hope he ends up with the right team because I want to see his talent maximized at the next level. But we'll see that. That's the key. And honestly, like, Brandon,
1: this is my first time really getting into draft stuff, and I'm starting to see why it's so hard. Petrie clearly has talent, but in the wrong scheme... You're going to waste a ton of it. You're going to mm-hmm. end up with a player that quote-unquote doesn't look any good because you, he's not good in a backpedal, but you asked him to play deep safety a whole bunch. Something like that, right? right? I mean, another or another player that personally I thought JT Woods had a pretty ho-hum senior bowl. He looked like he belonged. He looked like the athlete we expected he would. He got bullied by some of these tight ends, mm-hmm. but he's kind of a string bean. So I don't think that that surprises anybody given that he's, what, 6'1", buck 90, like wet, and so, he's, he's the kind of guy that I look at, I think he'd be perfect in Eberflus' cover twos kind of scheme, or any other DB scheme that basically lets him play the ball in the air, or pre-pass, instead of coming downfield to hit all that often. But, he had a very okay senior bowl. Nothing specific, but also, it's not like they were running any safety-specific drills where guys got to show anything.
2: Right, right. And and, and the thing is, you talk about some of these, these tight ends bullying, I mean... It's tough because usually you don't like. This is a true all-star tight end group. Like you, you could see three guys going the second round this year. Like you, you got Jeremy Rucker, tight end, Ohio State, very, very impressive, tall, long, explosive. You got Trey McBride, who tight end at a where, where was that again? Yeah, Colorado, State? Colorado State. Yep, Colorado State. Um, just a thick dude, six three, top of the stem. He just. bullies bullies safeties in order to get open. And just because he's physical I have to interject.
1: He's so crisp running his routes. I mean, I didn't do any work on the tight ends because trying to get through 110 mini scouting reports in about two weeks during a head coach and a GM Mm -hmm. search proved to be too much for me, Brandon. Would you believe it? But I remember in our first practice uh, I watched him break alongside another tight end. He got in and out of the break in about half the time of the other guy I leaned over to you and said, who's that? And you went, that's Trey McBride. That's mm-hmm. who I told you to watch. I mean, he sticks out. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. He was another one of those guys that I picked out and went, who's that? I don't know who that is, but they look better than everybody around him. Trey McBride is going to be really interesting to see because he's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, like he's not big in the scale of tight ends. Mm-hmm. And his arms aren't particularly long either. So will he fall because he's a receiver that's going to be I, don't know, I wouldn't say he's going to struggle to block, but you're not going to want him in an ISO situation against Khalil Mack. Or are they going to see his just super gifted receiving ability and push him up their board anyways?
2: Right. He reminds me of a guy, Harrison Bryant. At a, he, he went to Florida International, ended up with ended up with the Browns. A lot of people weren't as high on him because he was a shorter dude with a, with really, really short arms, even a lot shorter than Trey McBride. But, I mean, when you got guys that are just really tremendous route runners at the tight end position, they'll, they'll flash. It, like, they, just, they just need time. They need patience. They need, they need to be able to develop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Were there anybody else that disappointed you? Because I know two guys that come to mind. Uh, I wanted to see more out of Darion Kendrick. I don't feel like he looked like the stud that he looks like on tape. Roger McCreary got hurt. Other than that, he was actually really impressive. He doesn't make my disappointment list, that's for sure. But hopefully, that's not a problematic injury. And hopefully, Devontae Wyatts isn't either. Because I know he uh, limped off the field at one point due to an ankle twinge of some kind. But two other guys that come to mind were the Kentucky kid, the really, really big one that basically can't play offensive line. I hate... Being so frank about it, but he did not look good. I thought fillet for as big as he is got fillet laid, uh, where he he got pretty ni- or he got knifed through pretty good, especially by faster edge rushers. Honestly, there were a lot of these offensive linemen and offensive tackles in particular, where if you had a if you had a senior bowl like Max Markham did, uh, not Markham Max Mitchell did uh, out of Louisiana, where you were good sometimes and other times you got beat. You were coming out better than some of these
2: guys. You know. Right. Yeah. This 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 is one of the settings where if you're one of these offensive tackles, you you just you're kind of put on the an island, and that's not not the case necessarily in game. But the, these talented evaluators want to isolate to see how you do against better competition, and so a lot of guys like Falelei and they're they're gonna get a little exposed. Like this isn't this isn't the best place for him to show his talents, but it's a place where he he's gonna be able to develop, right? So hopefully he was able to learn from from some of his mistakes and grow this week, that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Anybody else that stuck out to you? I know as the Bears go through trying to hunt
1: for a good, quality Mike linebacker, I mean, look, I didn't get a great look at the linebackers, so I won't pretend I did, but whenever I peeked over Brandon, I'm not saying we should start doing a free agency preview, but I don't know if this guy's there in the draft, at least where the Bears are going to be looking
2: yeah, yeah, no, it was this this linebacker class here isn't isn't the best. Like Channing Tyndall is probably the best guy, best guy here as far as projections go, and he, he he's just not really it to me. He's a little bit a little bit he's fast, but he he isn't necessarily like smart. He doesn't he doesn't know where he's going in zones. You you can't necessarily see his speed on the field because he's he's not always in the right spots. So. I, I think this this linebacker class specifically is lacking, um, unless you're looking at the top of the class when you're talking about Nicobe Dean, because you're talking about a, the baller also from Georgia.
1: Mm-hmm. One guy that I know we saw flash on the defensive line that – as we go to wrap up here, so get your final thoughts ready, that I, I would not, I'd be remiss if I didn't say on behalf of JB, but the guy he talked about yesterday, number 91 out of UCLA, Otito Agabania. I thought he flashed again today. Looks like both a solid run stuffer and a solid pass rusher. Again, we're talking about true ISO scenarios, things you won't get in the NFL, where not only do you have to win, but you have to win really fast or the quarterback gets rid of the ball in modern-day football. But even still, you want to see talent wherever you can see talent, and I thought Bonia showed it.
2: Right, yeah, definitely, definitely. He was one of the guys that, that flashed as well. He was, I mean, again, like this interior offensive line isn't that great, but I mean, if you get these D-linemen flashed, that's, that's a good thing, because the thing is about about D-linemen is it's hard to get pass, good pass rush reps right because it's hard for them to string together moves a lot of guys you just want them to have one good move right and so I mean if they can develop that down here and have that one move and and translate it to the NFL that's that's a very good thing mm-hmm. as, as far as, like I, I, I think we need to talk more about Roger McCreary because I didn't think we talked about him enough yesterday. He wasn't a guy that I was necessarily expecting to flash down here, but he was really, really sticky in cover in coverage yesterday. I thought I thought he flashed a lot more than Darian Kendrick. And when I was watching film, it was it was honestly the opposite. I yeah. thought I thought Dar- Darian Kendrick was going to have a big big week this week, and apparently that just wasn't true. He didn't he didn't have he didn't have the best week. And Roger McCreary was very very good yesterday. He didn't. He didn't make it through a full practice today, but uh, hopefully he's out there tomorrow.
1: Look, where I get lost, and I'll defer to you because you're the DB guy. You're the guy I ask for most DB questions, is does the tape matter a little more than what we seen in an all-star practice for CBs? Because Darion Kendrick, I know, looks like a particularly talented zone corner. So well, the way he's playing, right, the way he goes about these individual reps doesn't mirror what happens at the Senior Bowl. Like The what, the the situations that he's put in at Georgia are just not the same. Whereas McCreary, I feel like, mostly played off man. So a lot of the things that he did here at the Senior Bowl, even in one-on-ones, more closely mirrored the
2: way he actually
1: played defense on the week-to-week. Does that
2: matter at all in these kinds of scenarios? No, that's, that's definitely a very, very good point. Because a lot of the reps you're going to see out of Darian Kendrick down here, you're not going to be able to match those to his tape at Georgia. But I mean, I as you pointed out with Roger McCurry, like those were a lot of his reps. He played a lot of off man. He played some press. I thought I thought he lacked a little bit in press on film, but it, it seemed he was pretty good in press down here. So I mean, maybe he's gotten better. Maybe he's developed his press because that's a very good thing. I know a lot of people were talking about his arm length, but to me, his arm length didn't show up at all down here.
1: Right. If there's anything with McCreary that I found particularly interesting, he seemed like he lined up, honestly, like in slot corner Mm -hmm. in a lot of the 11-on-11s. I don't quite know what he's going for there, because he's projected way too high not to be playing outside corner. So, I I don't know. I mean, maybe he's a guy that's, since he's at the Senior Bowl, right, and he doesn't feel like he's got much to lose, it's just showing that he's got even more versatility, especially in a day and age where the more corners you can get, the better. I mean, a lot of these NFL scenarios, as they keep doing what they've been doing for almost a decade now and kicking some of their best weapons inside, you need a nickel corner, or else you've got Duke Shelley going up against Devontae Adams, and that's just not going to work,
2: right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of that had to do with is the length concerns. So, like, your smaller guys are usually going to be putting the inside for slot. So I think a lot of people had concerns there, and so they wanted to see him play slot. And I think... I think he played admirably in the slot and on the outside this week. So that hats off, hats off to him because, I mean, at the end of the day, you want your best three corners out there. So if he offers that versatility to where you're able to have two good outside guys and maybe move him on the inside, that's never a bad thing.
1: Also, we couldn't, we'd couldn't. we be remiss if we didn't at least close the show talking about the quarterbacks that we saw here on the national side, or the American side. I keep getting those two mixed up. But Malik Willis, to me, continued to look like the standout best quarterback in this class. I mean, especially with Kenny Pickett on the other side. Malik didn't look phased by the rain, which I think matters, right? He still looked, again, like we said in yesterday's podcast— Exactly as randomly, totally inaccurate as as he did last time. I mean, the funny thing with Malik Willis, listener, is that on about 70% of Willis's passes, he completes them with beautiful touch or fastballs. We saw him throw a lot of different balls today, and he can clearly make any throw you ask of him. It's just as if, Brandon, you're rolling two dice, and on a seven, it just totally misses. But... If if he can find a way to figure out whatever mechanical inconsistency is causing these like didn't hit the broadside of a barn moments, he would be electric wherever
2: he lands. Yeah, I mean you're you're talking about the highest of high upside quarterbacks, right? So I'm like he's I I hope he's valued very very high in the draft. I, I hope he goes to the right team because he. He's definitely going to need patience, right? Because they need to figure out his mechanics because the ball continues to sail on him. It sailed on him this week. But, I mean, when you're you're talking about upside and projection, he he has all of it.
1: I think the part about Malik Willis that sticks out to me the most, and this is a weird one, Brandon, because before this last year with Justin Fields, I never would have thought about this. But I actually see it as kind of an advantage that Malik Willis, obvious stud potential quarterback, played at Liberty. Because unlike Kenny Pickett, You could see Willis, even with a red jersey on, moving in the pocket whenever free rushers headed at him in a way that I don't think Pickett, Strong, or the rest of the quarterbacks could really match. I mean, he seems accustomed to dealing with pressure, and especially if he's going to be a high pick in the first round, that's going to be important because none of these guys ever land on good teams with offensive lines, you know?
2: Right. I mean, Liberty's offensive line was really, really bad. And down here, you're you're gonna get you're gonna get the D line whooping the O line just because they're they're in better positions to win. But yeah, as you said, like he he looked natural dealing with that pressure because I mean that's something that he dealt with a lot at Liberty. So I mean, he he definitely had a good week. I hope he has a good game Saturday. I'm I'm really looking forward to it because the thing about him is like he's a tough guy to bring down, right? So I mean, he's he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be able to flash Saturday towards. Pickett, that's that's not necessarily going to be the case.
1: I just can't help but wonder how Kenny Pickett outduels Patrick Mahomes. But in a world where you harness all the good that Malik Willis can offer you, I, I actually see it. I mean, I really do. I, I don't want to be over, what, what is it, dramatic here. I mean, obviously you know, just like I do, that when you're dealing with Malik Willis, we're talking about not just some like, you know, raw, bit of clay. We're talking about something that could end in total disaster if his mechanics and never get fixed. Like you're talking about a high upside prospect, but there's always risk involved with these kinds of guys. But in today's day and age of quarterbacking, I just don't know how you win without the guy that can just go superhero mode. You know what I mean?
2: Right. Yeah, he's the, he's the Josh Allen of this class and a lot of people look at Josh Allen and they think of this finished product, but they they had the same concerns with him they thought he was inaccurate they thought he was wild they thought he was going to be a bust right but i mean when you're when you're talking about the highest of high projections and you're talking about a guy like Josh Allen and you look at Malik Wilson and you think maybe he could project out to that that's something worth worth investing in and i, I think there's going to be a team that's going to take a t- going to take a chance on him somebody's gotta any final thoughts on the senior bowl well, I mean, I, I'm glad these guys are, are moving inside so they can perform. I, I think I thought today was important because you're able to see some of some of the some of the guys perform in the rain and see certain guys that necessarily pick it that hurt by a little bit. But I'm glad they were able to get get inside tomorrow, work in the work in the dry area and, and be able to perform a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I thought this was super fun. I mean, honestly, even just the opportunity to kind of live and breathe around some of the bigger names of the media. I mean, the folks that me, you, JB, Nick Moreno have bumped into have been wild to just kind of breathe the same air they did, as silly as that sounds. But outside of that, I mean, it's been such a super cool experience. I'm so glad that we got to come, and it's been fun covering it. But, yeah, that's going to do it from us. That's our Senior Bowl update. We'll be with you tomorrow because – Well, most of us planned a trip around being able to go to tomorrow's practice, so we're free, but let us know if there's anything you want to hear about. I know we'll be popping out some coaching breakdowns as best we can, and until next time, Bears fans, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.